<laughs> You're very Morning. Now you should pray, not if you should pray, but then this is the opportunity to pray. As God's disciples, as God's children, we are called to pray, commanded to pray, because prayer changes situations. God responds to our prayers. Martin Luther wrote, we do not pray with a view to informing God, but in order that we may arouse ourselves to seek him. God moves when we pray. We came as 24-7 to arouse ourselves and to seek God, and to seek his face and pray. And prayer for me is just turning back towards God, giving him space in our busy lives, seeking God simply because God is worthy of our time, our praise and our adoration. But Jesus gave this prayer as a gift, as a foundational prayer for his disciples to build upon. The Lord's Prayer is not the final word on prayer, but a framework that we can grow on, grow and develop. It shouldn't be a prayer that's recited quickly just because we know the words. But as we've come into God's awesome presence this morning, we should pray this prayer with reverence and fear. It's a prayer that opens up our relationship with our Abba Father. A relationship that was the most important relationship to Jesus whilst he was on earth. He wanted his disciples to know the same intimacy, the same love as he had with his heavenly father. And when people hurt us, God hurts. God sees his children hurting through careless sin. And this prayer is primarily for believers. We're asking our father to come into our lives. We're asking him to rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. And if we weren't seeking God and we didn't want that relationship with God, then we wouldn't be praying the prayer, perhaps. So we reach this point in the Lord's Prayer that's pivotal. The prayer for forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's not words, but it's a covenant that we make with God to forgive as we have been forgiven. To let people totally off the hook. And this verse is at the heart of the Lord's Prayer. So far we have focused on adoration and worship and petition for our daily bread. But it's at this point God calls us to act, to do something. We have to choose to forgive as we have been forgiven. And it's the only part of the Lord's Prayer that's repeated. In verse 14 it says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. When God says something once, it's important. 
When God says something twice, it's really, really important. And three times, well, we've heard that already. Forgiveness is the heartbeat of the gospel. As Jesus hung on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So often, we don't know what we are doing. So often, we upset people because we don't know what we've said or what we are doing. So often we are waiting for others to say sorry before we forgive, which can lead to bitterness and resentment because they don't say sorry. It's easy to forgive somebody when they're sorry, but it's a whole lot harder to forgive and keep on forgiving when they're not sorry. And by forgiving, we're not condoning what they've done to us. However, someone referred to forgiveness is like taking the sword out of your own side. Unforgiveness can lead to issues in our own lives. We become susceptible to illnesses as we hold on to the pain of unforgiveness and twist the sword in our own side. And none of us probably know the real pain that we have caused people in their lives. And thankfully, we never will because of God's grace. So don't go up to somebody and say, I forgive you. They probably won't have a clue what you're talking about. And if we're honest, we're probably saying, I forgive you because we want them to know how much they've hurt us. Sometimes it's best to have those forgiveness conversations with God alone or perhaps a trained counsellor, depending on the situation. So when Jesus teaches the disciples this prayer, he makes two assumptions, that we're all flawed, sinful, and we're in daily need of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's forgiveness. The other assumption is that we will hurt people, not by choice in the main, but we live in a sinful and fallen world. We can all recount when we've been let down by people, walked over by an authority figure, perhaps let down by a Christian leader. Someone has hurt your feelings. You didn't get invited to a party that you should have thought that you should have done. Someone didn't speak to you as they passed by you in the corridor. You didn't get credit for the good deed that you did. You thought the person would say yes to a request when they didn't. You find out someone has lied about you or gossiped about you. And then you have the one that gets me. You have your own perceived thoughts, what you think a person is thinking about you or may have done. And as I look out, I wonder what's behind your eyes. What are you thinking of me about now? <laughs> I wonder how many times we have prayed the Lord's Prayer knowing that we haven't truly forgiven someone. A good test is can we be in the same room without that, that person or think about that person's name without having that sinking feeling in your stomach without remembering what they have done to us 
dragging it back up. Perhaps we're still living in denial. Perhaps we haven't truly forgiven. Perhaps we even need to forgive God for not coming through to us or for us or not answering the prayer that we thought he would answer. Perhaps we need to forgive ourselves for not doing the good that we thought that we should have done and feel guilty. And when it comes to forgiveness, I think we need a little help in identifying who we haven't forgiven or what we need to forgive. In John 20 we read, Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And when he had breathed on them, he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. We need God's Holy Spirit to live within us, to help us to forgive. Jesus blessed his disciples with peace and the Holy Spirit. I read a story about Corrie Tamboon, who was a, um, a devout Christian in the Second World War. She worked for the Dutch resistance. She saved and hid many Jewish people in her home until she was betrayed and her whole family was arrested and sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp where her sister died and many of her other family members. She was released and uh, later she met one of the guards from the concentration camp who came up to her and asked for her forgiveness. And she recalls in her story, in her book, that she couldn't do it. Even though she wanted to, she just couldn't do it. Until she felt the Holy Spirit move through her and reach out her hand for herself. Her hand was controlled beyond her control and she forgave the guard for all that he had done. Not in her strength, but in the, God, in the Lord's strength and through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we forgive, we receive peace and the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience and kindness. It's really hard to love someone that you've never truly forgiven. But some of us have been hurt so deeply that it seems impossible to forgive. But as we pray and share our pain with God, in time God helps us to forgive. If not immediately, then sometime later God will walk with us until we can. And this is the whole point of the Lord's Prayer, or, part, or this verse of the Lord's Prayer, that we're, we're real with God, that we share our hurts, our joys, our pains, with him. But the Lord's Prayer, when we say forgive us our debts, is not the prayer of salvation. When we put our trust in Jesus' love for us, we are forgiven, cleansed by his blood. Jesus died for you and for me once and for all to free us from hell and the grip and fear of the grave. We can't re-crucify Christ. Jesus paid the price once and for all. And if you have not realised 
for the first time that true, total forgiveness is available. Freedom and a new life is ours by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross where he took all our pain, all our mess, and paid the ultimate price to freely give us life, then perhaps you need to make a choice today to know true forgiveness, love, and peace in your life. There was a little boy in a supermarket uh, uh, one day and his mo- with his mother, He was having a particularly naughty day and his mother had forbidden him to touch anything else in the shop. While mum was going up the aisle, she heard a huge crash and turned around to see her son standing with a can in his hand beside an aisle full of cans. He decided to grab a can from the bottom of the display and sent hundreds tumbling down. Well, mum's face went bright red a mixture of embarrassment and anger. She stormed down the aisle, picked the boy up and placed him firmly in the child's seat in the trolley. Don't you dare move another inch, young man. After a few minutes had gone by, the boy plucked up some courage and said, Mummy, you said the other day that God, when God forgives our sins, he buries them at the bottom of the deepest ocean, didn't you? Yes, son, mum replied through clenched teeth. And you said it didn't matter what we did. God will never drag those things up against us, didn't you? Yes, son. Well, mummy, I have the feeling when we get home you're going to go fishing. When it comes to forgiveness, we are forgiven and we shouldn't go fishing. We're forgiven because God loves us. So why did Jesus include forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer? The word trespass means, or debt, to take a false step or a blunder from the unrighteous path or truth As I've turned round to preach to the wall, you might think it's an improvement. (laughs) But in fact, I'm still in the church. I'm still in your presence. But it's that we've lost something of the intimacy of our relationship and communication. When we step away from God and trespass, we turn away from God. We're still in his presence, but we lose something of our relationship with him. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is always wanting us to turn back to him if we confess our mistakes, our sins. He prompts the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us back into communion with the Holy Trinity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord's Prayer for me is a reflection of the Trinity. Jesus teaches us how to pray. 
we are to pray to the Father. And the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and thoughts to the Father and to intercede for us and helps us to forgive. We are to commune with Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We often talk about our relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But when we go to heaven, who will we meet? We will meet God the Father. And on this Father's Day, my son gave me a pen. It said, Dad, always handy when you need him. <laughs> and so often God, our Father, is always handy when we need him. But as we pray the Lord's Prayer, and we were reminded last week around the table, we are part of that communion with Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we need to develop our relationship with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit in equal proportions. But um, I'm guessing our visitors, are you from the Anglican Church? I think you've got something on us. When you, when you pray this prayer once a week, perhaps, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbours as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought and word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. For, Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbours, and to live for your honour and glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's great that that's shared each week by the, by the Anglican Church as part of their service. But I would say it's just not a once-a-week activity. The closer we walk with God, the more we are open to God's Holy Spirit in our lives, the more he guides us to life, the more aware we become of the need of God's mercy, of God's grace and God's forgiveness in our lives. But it's hard to forgive and keep on forgiving. To forgive when every natural part of us wants to take revenge and pray like David prayed in the Psalms that God would come and crush his enemies and destroy them. Which is why prayer is a battle. Which is why we need to be warriors in prayer. We need to fight against our natural instincts and allow God's Spirit and Jesus' teaching to shape our lives. And finally, in 1 Peter 3, 9 to 14, we read, or from verse 8, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil, his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and, the, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do, to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear for what they fear. 
do not be frightened, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. And this week, we will face the challenge to forgive, I guess. And as we gather around the communion table, perhaps we need to take a moment to be quiet before God and ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts for who we need to forgive. And maybe we should pray this prayer together. Maybe you want to sit or stand, but just as an act to ask God's help for you to forgive and to be the person that God wants you to be. Should we stand or sit and just say this prayer together? Almighty God, Our Heavenly Father, we have gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbours as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbours, and to live for your honour and glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.